John, what? Did you know women can live past 40 without using evil magic? Nah, I don't believe it. So, we quite often talk about things that annoy us in games. Yeah, that's true, yeah. RPG bugbears and stuff like that. And this is one of mine. Okay. So, what are we talking about today then, love? The trope where there's a poor old woman that your adventurers have got to help in some way. And then, oh no, it turns out to be an evil magic user and she's the villain for the final bit. I've got to admit, I agree with you, that is a trope. I mean, even when you were saying that, oh, you see like an old woman, I was thinking, bet she turns out to be a witch or something like that. Yeah, that's because you're one of the worst people for it. All right, okay, so before I start getting loads of hate from people uh, (laughs) listening to the podcast... uh, I I mean because John has encountered this many, many times and thus expects it, almost, because he's played so many D&D games. John isn't hating on old women. We're, We're not here to talk about why that particular trope is a harmful thing. There are other YouTubers who've done it better, other podcasters who've done it better. So go watch some philosophy stuff go watch some human rights stuff grand i'm just talking about the fact that you can have npcs who are women who are over 40 and don't use evil magic yeah and i entirely agree with you love it is a sort of well-worn and a bit of a tired trope by now but as you were saying well like i've been so conditioned by the games i've played Mm -hmm. in that you well when something happens like repeatedly and the results always the same you start anticipating that result don't you so i can't even count the number of DD and fantasy games i've been in where you know you see like an old woman coming towards you and they turn out to be a witch so as soon as someone uh gm goes to like the lengths of describing an old woman like wearing a shawl and they're hunched over my brain immediately clicks over and goes which yeah so it's every single time or it seems to me like it's every single time we encounter an npc of a particular description and often they invite you in for tea often they do other things like very uh grim tales witch sort of yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's that whole like, Hansel and Gretel-like mm-hmm. thing, isn't it, where the witch seems friendly originally, invites you in, and then they're trying to get you in the cooking pot later on. Now, the one author that I can think of that really undoes this trope okay. as much as he possibly can is Terry Pratchett. If you've listened before, you know I love Terry Pratchett. Pratchett's witches, I don't think he has any old hag witches who are also bad people. Yeah, the witches books are quality as well uh, he also has another fantastic older female character in uh sybil ramkin sybil ramkin vimes lady oh, yeah. sybil yeah she is pretty cool she's not even a magic user she's just very well educated for her time yeah and has the power of really really shit loads of money and she has quite a sort of forceful personality if i remember correctly but it's been ages since i've read the books that's what I'm getting at. She's got an in, a really interesting character yeah, because she's the opposite of the stereotype that Vimes expects when he knocks on that door in the first book where he encounters her, which I think is Guards, Guards. Yeah, I say it's Guards, Guards, I think. He knocks on the door expecting a frumpy woman in a chintzy dress... <laughs> And instead, Lady Sybil comes from round the back of the house in a set of wellies and leather, dragon-proof, dragon-keeping Oh, that's gear, right, she looks after dragons. Covered yeah, in yeah. and acid. 
and tells him to come and help her assist in mating dragons. Yeah, which, to be honest, I don't know, but I would gather it's probably pretty hazardous. (laughs) Indeed. Certainly messy. Uh, There's a point later on where she defends her household with an axe that she takes from the wall. Um, There's various other great moments that this character gets. And it's very rare to see a character of that particular group doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, not not to take away from like Terry Pratchett's achievements with that, but I certainly know my impression of the the sort of Discworld books when they started mm-hmm. was very much he sort of started with those stereotypes that we all know from fantasy, mm-hmm. and he was trying to put his own spin on it or trying to sort of contrast it, which I know later on he developed more a, co- a coherent mythology for Discworld, but certainly the earlier books there was sort of a pastiche of the fantasy stuff we expect but with a little quirky twist put on or something that sort of like threw a spanner in the works of what you were expecting. Yeah, it's something that he does quite a lot. Yeah. Um, And the other character that this like particular trope is really explored with is Tiffany Aching, who I don't think you've read many of her books, have you? No, I haven't. They're some of the later books, aren't they? They are. So Tiffany's a little girl... And she's got dark hair, she's scruffy. Okay. She's a hard worker on the farm that she lives on. And she's got this book of fairy tales. Yeah. And there are two women in this book. Or rather, there's two types of women in this book. So princess and witches, I'm guessing. Indeed. And Tiffany knows she's never going to be a princess. So she decides, fair enough, I'll be the witch. Nice. And she... It's good to have goals in life, man. There's several bits where it like reads into the stories and what the lesson would be if the witch was like there to be teaching the lesson. But there's also a very telling part which is sort of poignant to what I'm getting at, although I can't quite articulate why. Early on in her story, and I think it's before any of the books actually like the present timeline of any of the books kick in. Right, okay. There's an old woman in the village, and people say she's a witch. And then a little boy goes missing, and they go and burn the old woman's house down, and they kill the cat. I'm having flashbacks to that Darkness Falls film that we watched you the night. And then the old woman's left to die in the snow over the winter. Harsh. And Tiffany can see that this woman wasn't a witch. She, she goes and looks at the oven and measures it and sees that there's no way she could have cooked a child in there. She goes and plants flowers all over where the house was and she buries the cat. Oh. And it's a really nice sort of recognition from Pratchett that these tropes are really awful and that this awful stuff used to happen to people in Britain still happens to people all over the world right now. I was going to say, one. I entirely agree with you. I was going to say one other thing that's interesting is, you would, obviously I've not read the book, but you were describing how she, she measures the other. She seems to take a very sort of scientific, for of a better point of view, sort of approach mm-hmm. to it. And it's interesting because, obviously, we tend to think of, sort of science and superstition as being at the opposite ends of like the axis. And mm-hmm. she's there sort of... She's using science and rationality to to dispel this this fearful, harmful myth 
that, that sort of arisen in these superstitions that have led to them going, oh, she's an old woman living on her own. She must have, like, cooked them in the oven. And she's saying, well, no, that's not possible. Because if you look at facts X, Y, and Z, it can't have happened. So that's quite interesting as well as a sort of reason versus superstition sort of thing. That's it. And it's all stuff that if you want to explore it in your game, yeah. go for it. But lazy tropes... I, I can't talk about lazy tropes about gay people or people of other races because I know I'm guilty of using them many times. But also the shorthand's there for a reason and I try and improve on that and I'm just sort of highlighting this one trope which, alright, I'm not quite 40 yet but it's getting close to being me (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as you say, these sort of tropes are there for a reason and it's because it's, uh, for my my mind, in part it's because it's a convenient shorthand because... If you're, let's say you're running a D&D game in this sort of hypothetical scenario and you want to have the players confront an evil witch mm-hmm. as, like, the main enemy, you could spend ages, like, delving into, like, what the witch looks like, what the motivations are, stuff like that. But if you're, like, a time-pressured GM and mm-hmm. the witch is only going to be there for, like, a couple of hours in a particular session, it takes you far less time and sort of mental energy to basically fall back on that old trope of, you know, the old hag who lives in the woods. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it's an understandable thing. Mm -hmm. Because most of us, I mean, okay, granted, things are a bit weird at the minute, but most of us who are working and stuff like that, we never have as much time as we want to, like, do a game prep. So you tend to reserve the majority of your prep for like what's the most important stuff now if you were using like a witch as like the main bad guy of your sort of um, campaign i'm sure you would put loads more effort into fleshing them Mm -hmm. out but like witches and hags and stuff like that they don't tend to be the main sort of uh, bosses of a game so i can whilst not approving i can understand why people use that shorthand so i suppose what i'm getting at here really is that if you're going to use a trope like this, you need to think about, just for a second, why am I using this trope? Yes. If it's because there's an in-joke with your group and everyone's happy with that in-joke, if it's because there's a cool story that you've got in mind and you've got some like interesting stuff to do with this particular character, yeah, that's all great. If it's because you can't be asked to use a different monster, you can't be asked to think of something, and you want to give the impression that you have, well, there's a million and one pre-written adventures that you can find on the internet. Go and get one of them. Your players will thank you for it, because it'll be a lot better planned. I think as well, I mean, another reason why this stereotype gets used is it is something that's sort of embedded in our minds from not just RPGs, but from other media. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the classic I think of is like The Witch and the Wizard of Oz. You know, like the, the bad witch and the Wizard of oh, Oz. It, it's been with us since Shakespeare, yeah. since before Shakespeare. And I'm not saying it's not something you can use. Yeah. I'm saying if you're going to use it, it's the 2020s. Have a little think first, Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, I know like, I'm as guilty of it as anyone. When I think of, like, an evil witch, I think of, like, wearing all black, 
probably got a big hook nose, warty, pointy hat. But basically, the witch out of the Wizard of Oz, or like you said, like the witch, the the Mad Sisters out of a uh, the Weird Sisters, sorry, out of a um, Macbeth. And um, one of the things I I will say in D and D's favour, though, although they have a monster called a hag in it, which is by every stretch of the imagination, it is the stereotype of an evil witch it, it is pretty much the monster that was designed for this trope uh, however i will point out that in that they are actually a specific race of outsider they're, they're effectively like a demon for want of a better term mm-hmm. so they're not just like an old woman okay yeah they they look a bit like an old woman but they are a specific form of outsider they're not just uh, an old woman so i can see how they've They've tried to sort of distance it from the sort of stereotype. But by the same token, if you present me with like a monster that's an old woman who's thrown around evil spells and curses, I'm probably not going to take in the fact that it's a specific race of outsider. I'm going to hear your description of an old woman and think, oh yeah, it's a witch, and respond appropriately. But is there anything in there that says specifically it has to do the whole gingerbread routine for the hack? No, there isn't really, and again, I think that comes down to it's a it's this convenient shorthand, isn't it? Because if you if you put a witch or a hag or whatever into a game, people expect them to behave in a certain way, especially if you're running like D and D, which is based on sort of like it's like fantasy trope rama in D and D, basically. And is there anything specifically in it that says it has to look like an old woman? No, no, there isn't. Um, the The default description of a hag is that they all look like old women. Right. Okay. How, however, they most of the time they shouldn't really be presenting themselves like that because most of them have like mad like disguise powers, and it's like if you want to get in and sow discord and discontent, which is what they're normally sort of doing, and put curses on and whatever, then rocking up looking like everyone's stereotypical idea of an evil witch is probably not the way to go. That'd be like everyone who wanted to like rob somewhere rocking up in a stripy vest with like a domino mask on and a swag bag. I will point out that there are uh, a number of sort of people who've tried to sort of like push something different in RPGs to mm-hmm. do with them, um, witches. And I actually have one here. It's a book for Old School Essentials called The Craft of the Wise, The Pagan Witch Tradition. And this was written by Timothy S. Brannan. And he has wrote an absolute shed load of stuff for various versions of D&D, all about different witches. And basically, they provide them as a class, because at one point in time, they were a class in D&D. They go into like the different types of spells, uh, monsters associated with them, so like fairy tale creatures and stuff like that. And it talks a little bit about the sort of like the pagan tradition in this case, but he's done other sort of witch books that talk about other types of like traditions. And this is really great stuff because even if you're not going to use the full class, there's a lot in here that you can use to just sort of broaden your horizons a little bit and sort of get away from that sort of slightly lazy stereotype. And I mean, I'm hoping to to have a hag in my old school essential games in the future as we were talking about when we when you were sort of preparing your notes for this and i'm certainly hoping to use craft of the wise and some other stuff to not completely break with the idea because it is going to be a hag there's going to be curses going on but to maybe make it a bit more well-rounded and a bit more well interesting basically because i think the worst thing and the most deceptive thing about these stereotypes is yeah, it's easy to go wicked old witch, pointy hat, etc. 
and the players can jump on board with that but if that's all there is it's just not very interesting you defeat the witch you immediately forget about it you move on to the next encounter and it's not going to stick in your mind whereas if you have maybe some leanings towards that trope but you diversify and you sort of expand it the actual encounter is going to result in being a lot more interesting and people are going to remember it more so solutions to these problems yeah the first problem is the players jumping on every old woman because they assume it's going to be a witch players trust your gms a bit give them a chance maybe they've got something else for you i would also say as well from the from the point of view of the gm just don't have every old woman in your game be a witch it's like oh, I've, next point. I've i've had in this survivor c game i'm running at the minute there's been numerous sort of like old women who are like villagers and stuff like that <laughs> and most of them are sort of like they're working on like weaving cloth they're helping with the farm they're doing other sorts of stuff you'd expect older members of like a sort of frontier village in my game to be doing and none of them are spellcasters none of them have got a whiff of the arcane about them none of them can curse people <laughs> now i'm not to say because it's it's quite a sort of superstitious sort of like colonial era sort of vibe in my game i'm not to say there won't be points where like people might be looking at old women and going like oh did you see the way she looked at your cow and now the milk's dried up or whatever but i can't think of any of the npcs that are sort of old women in my game at the minute who have like any sort of magical powers whatsoever the nearest we've got is in the player's home village there is an old woman who like knows a bit about herbs <laughs> She, she knows what herbs you could she knows what dock leaves you can rub up when you've got like a nettle sting that sort of thing that's the nearest we've got so this is my other thought of possible solutions for this particular trope or yeah. ways to improve gaming while looking at this particular trope mm-hmm. you start out your game you run this classic gingerbread story there is an evil hag witch at the end players kill him yeah the village is now super paranoid about witches and now as you say all the old women in the village yeah. are suspect innocent people are so are some of the player characters perhaps all sorts of things you could use this trope as a really good start off point for some really interesting story some really interesting drama between your player characters particularly if you wanted to do that sort of paranoia type game Mm -hmm. where you're building up is there a threat what's the threat who's causing it all that mystery element yeah and i mean another sort of plot element that i've used in a past game and is probably going to get used again although slight variations obviously in my current campaign is the idea of witch hunters Mm -hmm. and i've used i used this in my, my previous middlelands game where they they were trying to track down this witch they had this witch hunter who sincerely believed that he was doing the right thing and he was like he was going to track down this evil witch obviously it wasn't an actual witch it was just some young woman the players managed to convince the witch hunter that they weren't a witch later sort of formed like a sort of slightly rocky alliance with this guy because they were like oh right maybe we can point him at like the real bad things rather than just like women who happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and um, this is definitely something I want to use in my game in the future because I think one of the another way you can sort of highlight this trope is you can have sort of people who are almost like caricatures 
of the original trope. So you've got mm-hmm. the witch hunter who like, oh, every time like a woman can like read or looks wrong at something or whatever, they're like, oh, I must be a witch. And if you sort of play that up and make it obvious how like despicable they are and how sort of mm-hmm. violent and horrible they are, then as a player, you're not going to want to be that guy. Oh, yeah. Witch hunters make far more horrible villains than witches. Yeah. If only because they're backed by the state, usually. And and also, it's an interesting sort of like sort of flip reverse on it because you player characters in sort of D&D games and whatever, you are ostensibly the good guys. Mm-hmm. You go out and you fight the monsters which harm civilization, which harm normal people. Mm-hmm. And ostensibly, witch hunters should be doing the same. They're going out and getting evil practitioners of the arcane and killing them to protect normal people. However, as we know, often they just target anyone they don't really like. <laughs> So if you can have if you can have that sort of NPC as a sort of dark twisted reflection of the player characters and you make it obvious that they're like their motivations aren't pure and they're not targeting just like actual uh, evil doers then you can sort of shine a light on that to players and make them sort of reconsider like their own motives perhaps. Yep. So I I think I'm all ranted out about the uh hag curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal trope (laughs) well yeah i think we will wrap up here so (laughs) if you're listening to this we hope you've enjoyed it if you've got anything you want to say about this if you want to just have a chat in general maybe suggest some ideas that you'd like to see in future episodes then you can leave us a voicemail message using speakpipe there'll be a link in the description of this episode or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com Until we speak to you again, take care, stay safe, and whenever you're playing, have fun. Bye.